Now, we're into the second tape, which I was hoping we're not getting into. Are you learning anything? You have another question. All right. What is your question, Doctor? Royal, we're exercise discernment, okay? Mm -hmm. But we're so careful because we're constantly being taught to be sweet. We're constantly being taught what the Christian thing is to do and to love. And people talk about judgment. I don't think the church knows what judgment is, maybe. Because when you have discernment, certainly that is what a person would call a negative thought. When I look and I say that's a wolf among the sheep, and I know it in my spirit, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. um, th that's a negative thought. That's a negative yeah. opinion. Can I say something? At the present moment, God has not yet given the privilege to execute punitive judgment too much. But we're just approaching this. This is why you see all this happening now in the popular levels of television ministry. God is beginning to exercise judgment. Right now, it, it is trying to get their attention for creative judgment, which is to bless them to find his way in this. Next, if they don't find uh, obedience, they're going to enter into a, a corrective judgment. If they don't find that, then we're going to find them in the punitive judgment. What do you mean by that? That punitive judgment is the final stage of God's grace. They're going to be killed. They're going to be dropping dead. God is going to be taking them out of the way. And he'll raise up in their place some unheard of ministry that's going to be a meek, vengeful one. Have you heard that term? A meek, vengeful one. Now, you're going to have to be mature enough to discern whether that meekness and vengeance that's coming forth from that person is God. Because God is going to have a perfect church. And he's going to get it, if he can't get it by creative judgment, he's going to get it by corrective judgment. If he can't get it by that, he's going to get it by punitive judgment. And he's going to begin first with the apostles, secondarily the prophets, then the teachers, then the evangelists, then the pastors, then the elders, then the deacons, and then every little saint until there is nothing left within anybody that is not sanctified. Are you listening? This is why it's time now to find our place groveling in humility to God, to search me, O God, and know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, and see if there's any wicked, any unsanctified, any unbelieving, any imperfect, any antichrist way within me, any hidden and presumptuous sin and secret fault, that is not allowing Jesus to work and form his righteousness and holiness into my experience. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? Now, you're not finding this kind of severity being preached in the church, I don't, as a rule. But it, this is why I am a trumpet message to the church. Now, I don't know how far God is going to take me into to the church for that trumpet message. But I would rather the church hear me now then when the first trumpet messenger begins to speak, when he begins to speak, grace will be finished as we understand grace and God will be reverting back to the law of the rod and there will be one chance to repent if not, we're dead. Are you listening? It's going to be that severe with God and you don't hear that kind of a gospel. 
Okay, let me let me go on here if I can. Have I answered your question? In but part. It's making it's almost like the church is insipid to me. Yeah, it's insipid. They're afraid that they're going to be judging. But, but here another thing, because of the assemblies, uh, when I there was a conference of a thousand ministries and they were asked a question, what is your goal for the church? The biggest over ninety percent wanted to make the flock comfortable. In other words, they're preaching the soothing message of faith without the discipline of sanctifying repentance. Are you listening? So they don't want that. You don't see discipline, the Holy Spirit discipline among the church. And it's shortly going to begin to such a place. It's going to arrest the attention of believers. I want to say this as a seer. When Before this age finishes, two-thirds of the church will be deceived. Two-thirds of the church. That's 1,200,000,000 people in the body of Christ will be deceived to varying degrees. Now, I won't, I won't go into the consequences of that because I want to complete this. Now, <clears throat> let me put it this way. All our thoughts originated from spirit entities in the form of spirit energy. Spirit vibrations, spirit currents. Have you ever heard the teaching, Satan can't know your thoughts? What a lie. I have so found that to be a lie because I've said things and done things, and I knew Satan knew it because he set up obstacle after obstacle every time I think, and I never voiced a thing, so he knew exactly what I think because you see my spirit is transmitting your thoughts. Now, let's look at that. And Matthew 9 is, is one of the scriptures. Matthew 9, verse 4. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? <laughs> Isn't that something? Look at Matthew 12, verse 15. But Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all. Let's look at Matthew 12:25. And knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Let's look at Luke 6, 8. Hallelujah. 6, 8 reads this way. And he knowing what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Arise and come forward. And he arose and came forward. What I want to stress to you here, Jesus is practicing mental telepathy. Uh-uh. All mental telepathy is spiritual telepathy. Whether it is working in an ungodly gifted medium or whether it is working in a believer as a medium of the Holy Spirit. All telepathy of thoughts is spiritual telepathy. And so someone that's highly developed in discerning of spirits picks up the very thoughts that people are thinking. Now, isn't that scary? You see? This is why in just this last week in Portland, you see, I was picking up the rebellious defiance of an individual in the audience. So I began to talk without identifying the person. I said, now, if you don't find repentance before this service is over, I'm going to come to you directly and say, thou art the person. 
this is the first time that God gave me that liberty. So when towards the end of the service, because the rebellion and the hostility and the hatred and the bitterness and, and all that was still in them, I walked and moved in along the aisle and sat down and opened up the scripture and said, would you read this scripture to me? And you, you got to see a tirade of demonic defiance to the serpent of God that was phenomenal to watch. This person never did repent. But God said, I'm yet going to give this person place for repentance. Does that make sense? Now, that took a lot of courage of obedience on my part because I was really, I would really like to evade that sort of responsibility. Now, I don't think you'll see that on, on even the, the television tape that I made or not. So, but what I'm emphasizing there, all your thoughts that have moral value to them have their origin demons. Are you listening to that? And out of your thoughts comes your reactions. And every reaction in, re in every relationship that is negative has because you are yielding yourself to demons. And the real problem with most people, they, they, their battle is against each other. So they say and do things naughty to each other until they're split asunder or until they cool off. But they never get it underneath the blood. They never come together and humble themselves, submit themselves to each other and say, I've sinned. One or the other thinks that they are superiorly right. There is no privilege of anybody being right in any negative relationship. There's only the privilege of you losing your rightness for Jesus Christ alone ends the winner. Because it takes two to tangle. One may be right, but by the very reason you were involved shows that you are in part of the sin. So all your sin is my sin, all my sin is your sin in every relationship that is negative. And that is because we yield our unsanctified parts that have ne we've never allowed the work of the cross to come in for the Holy Spirit to sanctify it and make it holy as he is holy. Amen? Now let's go a little further here. This spirit action in the Greek is called dagnuyo, meaning revelation exhibitions in spirit seeing, in spirit hearing, of spirit thoughts from spirit sources. Have you understood that remark? And let's look at Luke 4, 5. Now here's going to be some more shockers. This is concerning Jesus and Satan. Now you all believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He had been, he just coming off a 40-day fast of 40 days and nights in the wilderness. There he was tested of the devil. But as he was coming on off the fast, the devil said, would like to get him to make bread. And he said, well, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And then verse 5, and he, Satan, led him, Jesus, up and showed him all the kingdom of the world in a moment of time. Now, these kingdoms of the world were true existences in the realm of spirit. Behind every kingdom that's natural in, in observance or reality has spiritual forces behind it, whether it's the, the kingdom of the economy, the kingdom of the human spirits, the kingdom of, of minerals, the kingdom of animals, whatever. Are you listening? But, but Satan 
had been given the ability by the Father to test Jesus and lead him up into a place to where he could reveal to him, or where he could show him, the Greek word, where he could diagnose him the true realities of existence that, that already existed in God. So, and he, Satan, led him, Jesus, up into a high place of revelation workings where he diagnosed or where he showed him all the kings of the world in a moment of time. Now, that gets kind of scary. And what does it say? And the devil said to him, if you, I will give you all this dominion of all, of all these kingdoms and then the glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomsoever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me, uh, worship before me, it shall be yours. He was lying. So here we have to begin to understand, just because things is being revealed to you that can be substantiated by the scripture that is true out realities in God does not mean that it's God originated. And only discerning of spirits developed in you can know whether the doctrine, whether the revelation or the manifestation or the thought or the words or the action or reaction what spirit is behind the origin of that? Are you listening? And if, if, if that origin comes in biblical terms, biblical doctrine, biblical revelation, and you're a reasoning, rational, logic believer that's dominated by your mind instead of gifted and discerning a spirit, you will believe that truth that has its origin for one purpose, for you to be deceived. Wow, that's kind of scary. You don't find anything like this taught in the body of Christ. Everybody thinks, bless God, God told me. Or God said. And yet you don't see the divine deposit or the divine effect that has the fruit of the Spirit behind it. So then you have to look at the end result or the end effect of everything that is said. Does that make... Not only that, but you need to discern what spirit was it speaking in biblical terms. Uh-oh, now we're in trouble. And it's because of that very fallacy that we have all the division that exists in the body of Christ today. Because there's not enough discernment of spirits in a corporate sense where we can go forward in safety and become the reality of truth in our experience. Every man is a law in himself. Bless God, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. I don't care what anybody says. Or bless God, what I say is of God, and I don't care what anybody th thinks. Have you ever heard remarks like that? The leadership of the body of Christ is full of that kind of garbage. Okay, let's go a little further. Hallelujah. Now, let's, I want to say this. This word, dagnuyo, the English word is showed, and he, Satan, showed him him all the kingdom world at the moment of time. It's a spiritual law that God has created that both God and Satan use. Now here I've just showed you Satan was Dagnuyo, Jesus, the revelation of all the kingdom world in the moment of time. Now I'm going to show you it's the same law that the Father used to show Jesus all the things that he himself did. Turn to John 5. Let's start verse 19. Jesus therefore answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing that originates from his soul life, from his mind life, unless it, unless it is something he sees the Father doing. 
For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. I'd like to talk about that, but for brevity I won't. Look at verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him and dikneo him all things that he himself is doing. Here the Father is exercising the same law of dikneo to give revelation to Jesus that Satan was exercising to give the same revelation to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So the Father loves the Son and shows the Son and dikneo all things that he himself doeth. Now, discerning of spirits had to be so functioning, so, so purely in Jesus Christ that he knew that the origin of those, true, of, those true, of those kingdoms had its origins in Satan for the purpose to deceive him. If he had believed him, he would have fallen. And here, now, discerning of spirits shows him, or Dyke knew him, all things that the Father is doing. So when he saw what the Father is doing, he literally did what he saw. Or when he heard what the Father was saying, he only said what he heard the Father saying. That is a, by the ability of a highly developed gift of discerning of spirits within you. It's the same thing that was operating in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have to come to the place, as the Father sent me into the world, so send I you into the world. Yes, let me come back there so I can get this on, on the tape. Wouldn't it uh, probably have been a situation like Jesus had already developed that. So Satan, while showing him through the revelation, Jesus, while even observing the Satan's revelation, his answer is coming from his revelation from the Father. Does it get that? All right. Uh, now, the gift of discerning in spirits, it, it, working in Jesus, showed him that the revelation working from Satan was from the origin of Satan. Right. But the Father must have given, he must have seen what the Father uh said what the Father showed him to say and All right, his answer. Him, yeah, his answer was from the Father. of what Satan was doing. So he kept tuned into the Father while he was in the revelation. He kept abiding saying, in the Father. Yeah. You see, and by abiding in the Father, the Holy Spirit in him could give him a revelation that certain Satan was showing him all the kings of the world in a moment of time. Also, as he abode in the Father, he could see what the Father was doing, he could hear what the Father was saying, and he simply said, I do what I see my Father doing. And I say what I hear my father saying. Does that make sense? And therefore, the, the truth is, as the father has sent me, so send I you into the world. Now, let's look the way the pattern sun. Is this all right? We're getting in this too. I don't like to get into this too lengthy, but I want to conclude this message so that we don't have to go back to it. Okay? I'm going to go into the next one the next time we're together. Now, listen to this. This is Jesus now in the, as he is manifesting in the father. He said, Jesus said, the scripture, Romans 15, 3, says Jesus never pleased himself. And Jesus also said in John 4, 34, I think, I only do the things that please the Father. What did he do to do that? And how did he do it so that he really could please the Father? He did the action of abiding in the Father. And Jesus now is saying to you and I, if you will do the action of abiding in me, and my frame of word has a primacy in you, you will speak it as you will, it will leap into existence. But because the believers have not been taught what to do to do the abiding, and they've not been taught how to do it, we don't have the results. Because that is not a mental ability. You hear it preached and quoted all the time. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, do, ask what you will, shall be done. Have you ever heard that? You hear it all the time. But then you need to ask the preacher that said it, well, what do you do to do it, and how do you do it so it works? And you're going to find they can't give you the answer. 
But I believe that God has taught me by wisdom the answer, and we won't get into that tonight because it's already getting too lengthy. Now, let's look at this. Jesus is talking. He said, and I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified. I'm able to do nothing from my mind's origins. I'm able to do nothing that has its origins from my soul life. I cannot independently act from myself. But as I am taught by God's Spirit, and as I get the Father's orders, I decide as he bids me to decide. As his voice comes to me, I give a decision. And even as I hear his voice, my judgment is not mine, but it's his, and it's righteous. For I have not consulted my mind, my intelligence, my logic, or my reason. For I am determined this, that I will do only what pleases the Father. Now, unless you develop that ability of abiding, you will never grow up into Christ. As the Father sent me, so send I you. In, the, in, in, the, in John 12, it says, I say only what I hear my Father saying. In John 5, I only do what I see my Father doing. This is because Jesus it was made in all points like he and I, has tested in all points like he and I, but yet he's, he gave himself to commitment of having a relationship with the Father so that those spirit senses of his could be so in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit that he knew by the Holy Spirit's intelligence, Satan behind all the revelation of the kings of the world and, and also the Father behind all the revelation of the things that he himself did. And Jesus said, now as the Father sent me in the world, so send I you. But believers don't know how to order their life in that sort of spiritual law of work or action so that they can have equal success. They're ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Now, all these things that I've been sharing in the last few minutes is spirit law created by both God and Satan. Uh, it is not psychic phenomena. I want you to understand, whenever you care about psychic phenomena, there is no such thing as psychic phenomena. It's all spiritual phenomena, whether it's in the ungodly or the godly. Now, the godly people know what the ungodly do, but they don't realize that the ungodly people do that according to spiritual laws to be in union with demons to have that intelligence. But they don't realize that the believer has to execute the same techniques, the same mechanics, the same commitment, the same dedication to have revelation with the Holy Spirit so that they become mediums of the Holy Spirit to have the results of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Have I made that clear to you? Now, this is why or how Satan can know your thoughts. Your spirit is a transmitter of your thoughts, which we've already showed. The asserting of spirits enables you to divide your soul, your psychic life, from your spirit life. Hebrews 4.12 teaches that. Your soul is merely the medium by which spirit thought is conveyed to outward life in divine works. Did you hear what I said? You want me to repeat that? Your soul is merely the medium or the agency by which spirit thought is conveyed to outward life to perform the works of God. Hallelujah. Now, 
Discerning of spirits enables you to discern, to perceive the Holy Spirit in action. All orders and ranks of holy angels, all orders and ranks of evil spirits and angels, and all varieties and states of the human spirit. Now, we could go into a great deal of detail of all that in scriptures, but I won't, because I think that we need to conclude this message. You've already got more information than you're able to reabsorb. Let me suggest something. I request in love's sake, really consider, reconsider, of asking the Lord prayerfully and absolutely mean it from your heart, that he began to help you to develop those seven points that I started out with in the beginning of this message. Let me just quote Jesus' habit patterns. Mark 1.35, and long before day, Jesus would arise and go out and find a lonely place to pray. Luke 5.16, through the day, he said, and often he would slip away to find a place to pray. And Luke 6.12, and he was found in the mountain all night, and there he was praying. Now, if the Son of God, now I'm not talking about praying while you're walking in the way. I'm talking about here, I think the scriptures are showing that Jesus separated himself from all the demands and all the pleasures, all the leisures, all the comforts, all the issues of life. He separated himself. And he, long before day, he went out, and there he gave God undivided attention. Or often through the day, he would just leave people, and he'd go find a lonely place to pray. Or at times, he'd go out, and all night, he would be there in the mountain praying. Now, if this kind of a habit commitment was necessary for Jesus Christ to not only sustain his life, but to become the ability of the Father... Do you th think that you and I are going to be able to qualify with less co-equal effort? We're fooling ourselves. This is why, why I've asked you to go through them seven points again. An hour of prayer, an hour of practicing His presence, which is a prayer of listening, an hour of study of the Word, not just reading the Word, witnessing of your salvation, discipling somebody, fervently demanding that you become a manifestation of one or more of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and seven, that you go on one three-day fast a month. I guarantee you, if you will do those seven things, in less than a year, you will be such a quality prophet that the world will be taking attention to it. Let's pray. Father, you've laid so much word before us tonight, overwhelming us, by, overwhelming us by the profound, voluminous demands of your requirements. Now, Father, it's only the Holy Spirit that can inspire us, that can bring us to dedication and commitment and help to do these seven things so that we can develop in discerning of spirits, so that we can become the functioning intelligence of the mind of Christ. And I know how much that self will fight this kind of commitment. And more than this, I know how much the prince of the power of the air will fight the commitments to actually will it to be sold. 
But Lord, you are bringing forth a company, a remnant in the body of Christ that is going to be the equality of Jesus Christ in likeness in all that he is, that the scripture might be fulfilled as he is, so are we in this world. Would you encourage their hearts? Would you help them each day to increase somewhere in experience? Encourage them with enough, enough joy in their hearts that whatever sacrifice is made and whatever self-loss is initiated, that out of it they can live the victory and the joy of Jesus Christ. I commend these days, these times together to you. And I commend all these saints that have heard your messenger to your presence and to your word and to your Holy Spirit and to the cross and to the blood of the Lamb and to intimacy with you by which you will be glorified within their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.